Good morning, everyone. My name is Drew Feltz. It is great to see you all here today. Um, I have met many of you and uh, have had a great honor of working with a lot of y'all's teenagers and youth uh, in the kind of meantime while y'all are looking for a full-time guy to come and replace DT. DT was a really good friend of mine. I miss him a lot. I'm sure you guys do as well. Um, And it's great to be here with you this morning, and I'm excited to share a little bit of my heart. Um, A little bit about me. I'm a huge geek. I love Star Wars. I really like the new Star Wars. If you happen to not like the new Star Wars movie, we'd probably disagree, but that's okay. Um, I also play guitar. I also really like um, computers and total geeky things, and I really like camping. So there's just a bunch of random things about me. The most important thing to know about me, though, is I'm married to the most amazing woman in the world. Her name's Angela. She's right here, and I pointed at her. It's going to make her embarrassed, and I'll pay for it later, but it will be worth it because she's wonderful. And actually, four years ago today, I proposed to her, which was awesome. Uh, She was really, really mad. She told me yesterday, she's like, "Uh, it's going to be our four years anniversary of you proposing to me. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, I know. I remember as being four years ago, you were really, really angry at me because I had not proposed yet. <laughs> I had to, guys, I, I, I could not trick her worth, worth anything, and I had, to, I had to really, really, like, I, I had to trick her making her think I was going to propose on Christmas Day, and she got really mad at me and everything else, but it all turned out all right because we're married and she loves me now and everything else, so... <laughs> Welcome to the last day of 2017, everyone. Whether that is something you were cheering for in your hearts or something you're a little bittersweet about, today's it, and tomorrow's a brand new year. And whether 2017's been one of the hardest years for you or whether it's been the best year for you, this is where we're at. And this time of year makes me oftentimes think about uh, goals and resolutions. Um, I don't know about you guys, but on social media or friends or in conversation, everyone's talking about what they're hoping for in 2018. And I'll be quite honest, um, I'm not good at New Year's resolutions. Is anyone good at New Year's resolutions in here? Who? Just show of hands real quick. Who has done a New Year's resolution before? Anyone in here before? Okay, handful of you guys. Okay, and we're in church, so be honest. Who in here, another show of hands, has fi- uh, failed miserably at a New Year's resolution? I'll raise my hand as well on that. Um when I think New Year's resolution, guys, the one thing that comes to my mind is I need to run. And there is very little in, in Drew Feltz that wants to run. Uh, I, I actually think I'd rather do my taxes and clean toilets than go run a few miles. Um, even though I know it's really good for me, but that's something that I need to do more. That's something I would like to say is a resolution for 2018. I need to start running more again, but it's, I just don't know if it's going to happen because I hate it, if I'm going to be quite honest. Uh, it's, I know it's good for me, but I really hate doing it. Um, one of my best friends named Chris just ran a marathon this past year, um, and I asked him, he actually ran the Savannah Marathon, I said, Chris, why are you doing this? And he said, well, my wife's making me. I said, okay, well, that makes sense. Um, but I was like, he's like, well, you know, it's just this feat of amazement that you can run this long and do everything else. I'm like, yes. I said, Chris, you do remember the, the legend, like the, the story where Marathon gets its name from. Like they ran from Marathon to Athens to say that they, you know, they, they won the victory. But the guy who runs, runs into Athens and dies. People keep forgetting about that, that the original story of Marathon, the guy dies at the end. And I'm like, bro, don't, don't die. <laughs> Whatever your New Year's resolution is, and wherever you're at, the truth is, is there are things in life that we need to do that, we don't, that, that are good for us, that make us better, that we like the results of, but we don't like doing. I really like not weighing as much and feeling healthier and having more energy when I run but I don't like running. 
And the reason I bring this up is because we're talking about forgiveness this morning. And if there's one thing that I think forgiveness is, is something that we like to receive, but we have a really, really hard time, and, and a lot of us have a hard time and don't like forgiving people. And I fall into that category as much as anyone in here. I mean, forgiveness is something that is great when we are on the receiving end of it, when we get the benefits of it, when we see the results of it. But it's something that's hard for us to do sometimes, especially when it's someone close to us, maybe family or close friends or siblings or spouses, parents, or a million other people. It's hard to forgive. It hurts There's a tension in this too, because as believers, we know that we live under a amazing amount of forgiveness, a huge mountain of grace and forgiveness from God. And I don't know about you, but when I have a hard time forgiving or when I know I need to forgive someone, but I don't want to, or I don't feel like I should, I have this bit of a guilt in me that knows that I should because I live under such forgiveness. I know it's good for me, and I know, but there's this tension because in the world we live in, it seems like it's, it's not just. The world we live in says that if you get hit, you hit back harder. The world we live in says you look out for number one above all else, and if someone does you wrong, you cross them off your list and you're done with them. Or maybe you're, you're, you're good at once. You'll let them do something to you once, but twice and you're, you're done. And in this tension that we live in, in this world, And the reality that a lot of times forgiveness is like running for us or for me or whatever that is for you, that it's hard to do. We know we need to do it, but it's not something that is easy or we want to do. We live in this world where we know we need to. It makes sense why Peter asked this question of Jesus in Matthew 18 and verses 21, 22. He asked this question. It's probably a question we've thought of. Peter just asked Jesus, how, uh, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Hey, Jesus, how many times will somebody do something against me, hurt me, push me down, treat me wrong? How many times will somebody do that to me and, and I forgive them? Is it seven times? Can I give them seven goes? Some of you guys in the room are like, man, Peter, that's really generous. Seven times to let somebody do something before you stop forgiving them. I, one time is enough for me. And then Jesus answers with this question. He says this. I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Now, this doesn't mean that someone can wrong you 77 times and then you cannot forgive them, by the way. So don't, don't think that. What Jesus is trying to get to a point here and what he's trying to illustrate is that forgiveness should be something that is consistent in our lives. A habit, you could say. Something that is ever going. You know, going back to the whole running illustration I just used Um, if I go out today, which I will not because I do not like running, but if I were to go out today and run five miles and get exhausted, it would be good for me in a very small way. But if that was all I did and that was like my New Year's resolution, run, run like the first day of next tomorrow and I'm done, I'm like, check off, I'm good to go. That would not help me in the long run. No, a lot like exercise, forgiveness is something that needs to be consistent and happens over and over. See, I think if we're honest, guys, when we get hurt and when we have pain in our lives and when, when people do us wrong, which happens because we live in a sinful and fallen world, and especially when those people that are close to us hurt us and we don't forgive them and everything else, it's easy for us to, to forgive something one time, 
But when the same thing happens over and over and we have to keep forgiving it, that's when it gets really hard. To, to live in a lifestyle of forgiveness is hard. But Jesus is calling us to it. And here's the truth, guys. As, as, as hard as that sounds and as, as much as that sounds like, gosh, I don't know if I can do that or I can forgive that person. The truth is Jesus would not be telling us to do this if it wasn't good for us. See, I think a lot of times I work with youth a lot and we talk about what the Bible tells us to do. And a lot of teenagers and a lot of people in this world, for instance, look at the Bible as just a book of what not to do. And truthfully, the reasons behind so many things is not to be a buzz kill or a joy kill, to, to not let you have fun or experience life. Oftentimes it's there because it's good for us. Forgiveness is good for us, guys. It's not natural feeling in this world to forgive others. It's very common to stick it to people, to hold something over their head. The truth is, is that us not forgiving people ends up becoming this corruptive force in our lives. I heard someone say that forgiveness is the oil and the gears of every relationship, and we need to change it regularly. Forgiveness is the all in the relationship, uh, the all in the engine of every relationship we have, and we need to change it regularly. Don't you love being around people who forgive easily, who show lots of grace? I know I do. You know, I uh, dated a girl in college, not my wife, um, and this girl was uh, a little bit of an airhead, bless her heart, and. Uh, we were in college at Valdosta State for four years, and on the fourth year, her car just stopped working. And I said, well, have you been maintaining it? You know, have you changed oil? She hadn't changed the oil for four years. Guys, that does not work. You, you end up hitting major issues if you don't change the oil in your car. She found out the hard way. Um, here's what I want to point out, though, guys. Us not forgiving sometimes feels like it's just not has much results on us. We almost feel like we're upholding justice and our self-righteousness, our confidence, our self-dignity to some degree. But not forgiving over time is just like not changing oil in your car. Eventually, things are going to start breaking and falling apart and seizing up. Eventually, it's going to clog down your relationships. It's going to steal your joy and peace, and it's going to make you completely miserable. I know this personally, to be quite honest, um, because here's the reality of, of this, is that I, I sometimes can get angry at people, and sometimes people do us wrong, and we get angry, and we hold it in. And, and Jesus makes it very clear in, in Matthew chapter 5, 21 through 26, that you know, us being angry and holding judgment over people, feeling like we have this righteousness over people is, is equivalent to murder to some degree, to being angry at someone. He says this in verse 21, you have heard that it is said that those of old that you shall not murder and whoever murders is liable of judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment and whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council and whoever says you fool will be li liable to, the hell, uh, to hell of fire. 
So if you are offering a gift at your altar, then remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there before you go to the altar and be reconciled with your brother and come and offer your, and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you're going to within them in court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guards and you be put in prison. Truly I say to you, you will never get out until you had paid the last penny. Here's the deal, guys, um, and, and here's kind of wrapping this up this morning is quite honestly this. Me and my wife have been married for about four years, like I've said. She, uh, her mother has actually passed away um, a few years back. Uh, her mother had a brain disease that um, was unknown for the longest time, but long story short was just deteriorating her brain. Uh, it was very hard for her family, everything else. Eventually, she passed away. So... When she passed away, it was a very sad time, everything else. We ended up actually um, getting a little bit of money from um, some insurance stuff and other stuff like that when she passed away. Uh, we'd been saving up for a house on top of that. So um, we were able to buy a house here in town because we really love Thomasville. We've been here five years. And it's been this really cool moment because for me personally, my father's a pastor and we've never owned a home. Um, it Honestly, when I felt the Lord calling me into ministry. It was something I never thought I would be able to own. Uh, I just thought it was something we kind of forfeited to be able to do the work of the kingdom. So it was this really amazing moment that we were able to buy a house here in Thomasville. And we love it to death. It's great and cute and we it's wonderful. We buy this house and when we were doing this, we had some very dear friends of ours that we're very close to, same age as us, got married just after us. We did almost everything in life together. We were in small group together. They were in our circle of friends. They were probably some of our closest friends here in town. And all of a sudden, we hear through the grapevine and through some people that they've been talking bad about us because we've bought a house, saying things like very hurtful things about it that, you know, if their grandparents were rich and they had a bunch of money to help that, you know, they could be having a house by now too and how it's unfair and terrible. And I'm going to be completely honest, guys. It was probably one of the most hurtful things that's happened to me because I thought these people were my friends. They didn't understand half of what was going on, obviously. The emotional impact of me never having my parents own a house and never thinking I'd be able to as well as my, fam- my wife and us working, and the fact that our families are not rich at all. My dad's a pastor, like I said, and Angela's families are just teachers and preachers as well. It hurt a lot. They said some other hurtful things, and we slowly just said, all right, that's it. I actually completely was like, I'm done with these guys. I'm, I'm not messing with them anymore. This is ridiculous. We cut them out. We pushed them out. We didn't forgive them. Went on for a few months, and you could tell it got awkward because we were all in the same circles. We stopped going to Bible study with them because it was just too much. We stopped inviting them to things, and obviously a, a wider and wider tension happened. And it honestly got to the point that it was making us miserable. It was eating at us. We had not forgiven these guys And it was eating away at us, that we were becoming bitter people. We were losing our joy and our peace, and we were becoming further and further away from God because we would not let this go. And to be quite honest, guys, I didn't want to let it go. Kudos to my wife again, because it was not me who should have been like, hey, we need to go talk to these guys, but it was her. She just looked at me one day and said, Drew, we can't keep living like this. I don't want to become bitter 
Because here's the thing about not forgiving people, and you may have observed this in people or in your own lives, is if you don't forgive someone, after a while, that thing becomes part of your identity and who you are. We saw that happening before our eyes, and I just told myself I didn't care. They had hurt me. They had hurt my wife and my family, my home, things that were precious to me. You can say whatever you want to about me, but don't you dare say anything about her. I will hit you. Don't you dare say anything about my family. I mean, I don't know if that's how you were raised, but that's how I was raised. And these people hurt me. This friend of mine, I thought was like a brother to me and he had done this and it just hurt. So reluctantly, awkwardly, basically being dragged by my wife, by the grace of God, we went and talked to him. And it was an awkward conversation, guys. I'm not even gonna be honest. I just went up to him and said, listen, here's the deal. We've not been forgiving you guys of this. We know you said all these things about us. We know that you've been saying some mean things about us, some nasty things. This is why we've distanced ourselves. This is why we stopped doing this, that, and other. And we just want you to know that you really hurt us. And that's why this isn't okay anymore. That's why we're not really friends anymore. We want you to know that because we feel like we need to get it out in the open. We feel like that's what scripture tells us and we're miserable. Now, part of me at this moment was saying these things, knowing they were true and right and good, but not wanting to do it and not feeling like it should do it. So we left that conversation. And I cannot explain to you guys what happened next, but God healed that relationship. To, to the degree that we were very close with these people, but they broke down crying in front of us sincerely apologized and told us that it was just jealousy, honestly, in their hearts that they weren't able to be at that place in life yet and that we're so sorry for that. That they never meant to hurt us and everything else. Weeks went on. Things got better. We just decided that we would trust what the Bible says and what God tells us to do in Scripture to forgive those who have hurt us, even when it's hurtful badly, even when it may happen more than once. And we just said we'd see what would happen. And can I tell you today as a testimony, guys, that God can heal relationships. And to the degree, here's the deal, guys. These people are some of our closest friends now, closer than they ever were. They were at my house the week before Christmas for like four or five days. And let me tell you guys, I'm not a huge fan of like just having random people come and stay in my house, especially before holidays, because it's just, I just want to chill by my fire and hang out with my puppy dog. And just, you know, I don't want a bunch of, I don't want to feel like I have to entertain and everything else. But they didn't feel like that because they feel like family now. It's still there. I mean, we, they still said hurtful things and it hurt us. But I can say this, that God has healed that and has made that relationship stronger than ever. And I say all this to you today of saying this, that I understand that coming to church, I, I've, my father's a pastor and I've grown up in church and I know 100% that we are to forgive people. But up until this experience in my life, I never had really put it into action to a degree and saw the results. It's, it's one thing to forgive little things, but when someone hurts you badly, it's hard to forgive them. So my challenge for us, guys, as we wrap up 2017 and go into 2018 is quite simply this. Where are you today? And who do you need to go talk to? Where are you at? Who is a person who's hurt you? And I don't even want to sit here and pretend like it wasn't terrible and horrible because it is. Even if, even if it maybe is only to you, 
It's real. My question for you today is, who do you need to make a phone call to? Who do you need to go sit down with some coffee? Who do you just need to forgive and just let it go? Because I'll be quite honest, if you don't let it go, it will ruin you. It will make you miserable. And my prayer for every single person in this church, in this room right now, for myself, is that in 2018, we would not be chained up in weights of not forgiving people, that we would not be people who are not forgiving. What if, church, we could be known for our forgiveness? I don't, like I said earlier, I don't know about you, but I love being around people who are full of grace, who are full of forgiveness. But oftentimes when I get hurt and should show those attributes, I don't. Maybe our prayer for 2018 should be that we forgive people. You know, the hardest part of the Lord's prayer is that part that says, may we forget of our debtors as they forget our, or as, we've, as you've forgiven our debts. So my question and challenge for you today as we wrap up and as we walk into a new year is forgive someone. From someone who was apprehensive and wasn't really sure, even though I know scripture says it would do that, if it would do it, it does. You can see life and health and healing in those relationships, but only... Father, thank you for today. And thank you for your word. And Lord Jesus, we all have tendencies not to forgive. We all have tendencies to hold on to our hurt. But Father, you call us to forgive. You call us because it's good for us, Lord. So I pray for every single person in this room, whoever that person is that they need to go talk to, whatever that thing is that they need to let go, that you would help us even though it may be awkward and hard and difficult, it's good for us, Lord, that we would make forgiveness a habit and something that we do every day. That in 2018, by the end of the year, when we are back here together next year, we could say that we are more forgiving. Thank you, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen.